Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's great to see you today, and it's time for Children's Church. So if you're a pre-K through the fifth grade, adios, buckaroos, and we will see you in a little while. Uh, if you have a Bible with you this morning, would you please open up to Psalm 123? And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's all right. I want to encourage you to use uh, the Bible in the pew rack in front of you. And uh, I'll give you a shortcut. You'll find Psalm 123 on page 543 in that pew Bible. And so a Bible open, something to take some notes on, and you'll be in good shape this morning. Uh, We've been walking through a section of the book of Psalms that's called the Psalms of Ascent. And we think that maybe they have this title because they are the songs that pilgrims sang on their way to the holy city. This was your soundtrack, your mixtape for the trip on your way to Jerusalem to join with other worshipers in the house of the Lord. Now, these 15 psalms, which start in Psalm 120, uh, these 15 psalms are are kind of scattershot. There's not a real um, narrative flow to the way they're arranged. However, the first four chapters uh, do kind of fall into a nice, neat little storyline, if you will, geographically speaking anyways. Uh, We started in chapter 120 in the wilderness, surrounded by animosity and difficulty. In chapter 121, finally we we can look to the hills where the holy city is and where the house of the Lord resides. We've gone from wilderness to the hills to 122. We enter into the city gates. We enter with rejoicing into the house of the Lord. And now today, Psalm 123, we approach the throne. We've gone from wilderness to the hills to the city to the throne of God. A nice little progression. Now, when we approach the throne, we approach the throne as exhausted pilgrims, dirty, tired, beat up, in need of relief. In our first action on approaching the throne of God in Psalm 123 is a request. Now, without looking at your Bible, without scanning for the right answer, what is the request of the singer? What is our number one question to God? The one thing we want Him to give us, what would it be? Now, there's many possibilities. And just real quick, I want you to think, what what would be that first thing you would ask of God when you have an audience with Him? And a lot of different possibilities, but in Psalm 123, the exhausted singer asks God for His favor. For his favor. I guarantee the word favor was not in the top ten of the things you thought you might ask of God. But that's what this song asks God, asks God for his favor. And so the fact that you and I didn't have favor on our radar could tell us just how out of touch this song is with the human experience. That's one option. Or it could be that Maybe we don't know exactly what our embattled souls need. When we're tired and beat up, we might pray for strength or wisdom or joy or any number of good things. But when did you last pray for God's favor? 
When's the last time that word rolled out of your mouth in prayer to God? I can honestly say that God's favor is not a regular item in my own prayer diet. And perhaps it's not in yours either, but it should be. I'm convinced by Psalm 123 that we should raise the importance of this request to God. And why is that? Well, it's because God's favor is what God's people sang about on their way to the holy city. If they sang about it, if, if they get an audience with the Lord and this is their request, it tells us how important this is and how much we need to bring our lives in line with this song. You have problems, right? Anyone want to grab a microphone and just begin to unload this morning? You've got, you've got serious problems. You have you have ongoing, chronic, regular, enduring issues that you have faced for a long time and perhaps have a ways to go. You have uh, just those little momentary flares of crisis, things that just pop up in your week unscheduled. They just burn bright for a little bit and then they fade away. And you, perhaps this morning, are tired in every possible way a human being can be tired emotionally spent spiritually you're, you're just in a dry desert maybe physically it took all your energy to get here this morning you are one tired worshiper and psalm 123 is your song it's a song for the fatigued it's a song for the beat down those who have been kicked around those who are in need of relief it's a song that seeks the favor of God. So my purpose today is to point you in the direction of rest and renewal. And this song helps us. Psalm 123 gives us two reasons why God's favor is so important for our embattled souls. So I want you to follow along with me as I read Psalm chapter 123. It says this. A song of ascents. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. Like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Show us favor, Lord. Show us favor, for we've had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. There is nuclear power in this tiny psalm. There's an economy of words here, but there's, not, there's no restriction on the energy and the strength that it provides. Now, like most psalms, there is no command here. There's no thou shall or thou shall not to be found in Psalm 123. There's no divine speech. God doesn't have a speaking part. All the words belong to the singers. And isn't it odd, though, that even though all the speech belongs to us, it still seems like God is speaking throughout the entire thing. There's no command to follow, no divine speech. All we have is an experience to learn from, an experience perhaps to model and to follow. We're taught by exhausted people. We're exhausted people who are learning. And what we're learning about is the high value of God's favor for the tired soul. Why is it so important? There's two reasons in this song. The first one is this. God's favor is relief 
for embattled souls. It is relief for us in our fatigue. And you might say, well, that's fine, but couldn't I just pray for relief? Well, I'll just skip out the middleman of favor. I'll just go straight to the relief. God, give me relief. You can do that, but this song doesn't do that. Rather, this song treats the favor of God as the package in which the relief is delivered. And so the source of the favor we're seeking is vitally important. And the song begins by clarifying just who it is that we seek the favor of. It begins with language that's similar to Psalm 121. Did did you hear the similarity whenever we read it just a moment ago? Psalm 121 begins this way. It asks, where will my help come from? I lift my eyes to the hills. Where will my help come from? Eyes are lifting from our pit, from our hurt, from our fatigue. I'm lifting my eyes looking for help, Psalm 121. Psalm 123, I lift my eyes to you. We're not looking to the hills anymore. We're not, we're not looking for help on the horizon, but now it's intensely personal. It's, it's a targeted look. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. In Psalm 121, our eyes are lifted to the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 123, our eyes are lifted to the Lord who is enthroned in heaven above all things. Now to say that he is uh, on his throne in heaven is not to give God a location as if if we don't identify where he is at this moment our song to him may veer off someplace unintended. But to say he is enthroned in heaven is to say something of him theologically. For him to be in heaven is to say he is the one who rules over all creation. He's not under the rule of anyone or any other thing. He's not beholden to planets and and stars and, and earth and people, but rather he is the one enthroned above all things. He's the one in heaven. Uh, The Lord's Prayer opens with this same type of language, doesn't it? Our Father in heaven. Why do we say in heaven? Because we we have to remind ourselves of the one we're praying to, the one whose favor we're seeking. We're seeking the favor of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And to say He's enthroned, as the opening verse does, is to say He's seated. It's a simple detail, one that, that you might not even think about, but it's far more profound than we might realize. He is seated on the throne. He's not pacing about worrying about what's going to happen or how to fix it. He's seated. He's in complete control. He has total power. He's your Father enthroned in heaven. The favor we're seeking is not from the greatest man on earth or the kindest God among many gods, but the very God of all things, maker of heaven and earth. Knowing the source of the favor we seek is vitally important. But but next, our song describes our intense desire. You may not have come in this morning desiring the favor of God, so the song is going to import that for you by helping you see what God's exhausted people should want. And so... Look at the desire expressed in verse 2. It says, Like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God, 
until he shows us favor. Now, scholars and historians tell us that the Psalms are, are an ancient hymn book. This is the, the, the songbook of ancient Israel. We've lost the music to it. We don't know what the songs sounded like. Uh, but I think verses 1 and 2 of this psalm uh, make for a great responsive reading. If you look at verse 1, it begins in the first person singular. I lift my eyes. But you only get one line of solo before the whole choir joins in with you. And so, uh, I lift my eyes, says the solo singer. Then it looks like the men get a line here at the beginning of verse 2, like a servant's eyes on his master's hand. And then the women get a line, like a servant's girl's eyes on her mistress's hand. And then we all get a line together, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Let's do that this morning together. Let's orchestrate a little responsive reading. Your script will be right here on the screen for you. And we've got four speaking parts. Cody, that's me. I'll say the first line, the solo line. It's the only solo you'll ever hear me sing in church. I won't sing it. I'm just going to speak it. I'll say the first line. And then men, you're going to say the next line. And look, dudes, put your cool card in your back pocket and say the line. Please. I need your husky, manly voice. we got to say this together, all of us, men. And then, ladies, you know your part. You'll knock it out. It'll be dynamite. You always do. It's going to be fantastic. And in the end, all of us together, we'll say that last line together. We're just going to clock through it. We're going to have a really easy flow to it. One take. We're going to nail this. Are you ready? Here we go. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven, like a servant's eyes on his master's hand. So our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. Great job. Very impressed. Can't wait to tell Jennifer when she gets back from her sabbatical how many choir members I've recruited. This is fantastic. There's a common word used in each of these four lines. Did you see what it is? Everyone sings this one same word. Four times as if the writer of the song is trying to communicate something to us. What's the word? It's the word eyes. I lift my eyes like a servant's eyes, like a servant girl's eyes. So our eyes are on the Lord our God until he shows us favor. This is the language of desire. Our eyes are set on what we want. And what do we want? What do we desire in this moment? We desire God's favor. And why is that important? Of all the things we could desire, why in this situation would we desire God's favor? It's important because He is a relational God and not just a heavenly fixer. The song confronts us with this question, do we want God to merely fix our problems or do we want God? That's the challenge for us. The pastor and writer Eugene Peterson wrote about this problem in his book, a book on the Psalms of Ascent. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I would highly recommend it if you're looking for something to read. 
But look at what Peterson said about this conundrum between wanting God for his solutions versus wanting God. He said this, too often we think of religion as a far-off, mysteriously run bureaucracy to which we apply for assistance when we feel the need. We go to a local branch office and direct the clerk, sometimes called a pastor, to fill out our order for God. Then we go home and wait for God to be delivered to us according to the specifications that we have set down. But that is not the way it works. And if we thought about it for two consecutive minutes, we would not want it to work that way. If God is God at all, He must know more about our needs than we do. If God is God at all, He must be more in touch with the reality of our thoughts, our emotions, our bodies than we are. If God is God at all, He must have a more comprehensive grasp of the interrelations in our families and communities and nations than we do. One of the temptations of the fatigued believer is to treat God only as the fixer and not as our Heavenly Father. In fact, we may come to Him and try in our praying to shove Him off the throne and take that seat and put Him to work in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I need you to do. That's the temptation. But what the song does for us is it orients us in a right relationship with Him so that we would want Him above just the fix to the problem. That we would treasure the Savior over our solutions. And so God's favor is relief for us because it comes from Him. It centers our desire on Him. And then finally, maybe we should have done this earlier, but here at the end of verse 2, we have to define what we're talking about when we talk about favor. What does that word even mean? Verse 2 says we aren't moving until we have His favor. We're locked in on that thing. If you have a different translation of the Bible, it may not even have the word favor. It may have the word mercy. And the reason is because this particular Hebrew word is a very flexible word. It has a range of meaning, but its specific translation can be different depending on how it's used. And so you'll find that word, the word translated favor here, also translated as mercy or as grace or as compassion or um, as kindness. You might be familiar with Numbers chapter 6, the priestly blessing. Chapter 6, verse 25, may the Lord bless you and be gracious to you. That's our Hebrew word, be gracious. That May God be favorable or show favor to you. It's the same word. So the word favor here carries this meaning with it. It's grace, mercy, compassion, kindness. And in fact, we, we can be very precise that a prayer for God's favor is not, and we've got to get this in us, it is not a prayer that God would bless your plans, your solutions, your desired outcomes, your cause, your way of life, your financial success, or anything else you're subscribed to. Instead, a, a prayer for God's favor might sound like this, God, be God to me. When we pray for God's favor, we, we aren't asking for something he's hesitant to give, as if we have to coax it out of him or convince him to be good to us. 
but rather we're praying in line with His very character. This is who our God is. He's the God of mercy and grace and compassion and kindness. So when we pray for His favor, we're praying, God, be God to me. Be gracious and merciful and compassionate and kind. God, I'm not leaving this spot until I know I have your favor. Be God to me. Now, if you'll allow me a little artistic license. The original singers of this song might have sung holding their empty hands to God, waiting on His favor to be given. God, we're not leaving until we have Your favor. Show us Your favor. But you and I must sing this song differently. Not with empty hands raised in anticipation, but rather with fingers pointing to the empty cross in fulfillment. Anytime the child of God prays for God's favor, that prayer is already answered in full by Christ crucified and risen again. So why, why then are we talking about this? Why would I sing that song? If I already have it, I don't have to desire it. I, I don't have to plead for it. Why then would I sing it? Here's why. Because we forget. The crisis grabs our eyeballs. It takes our attention. It injects fear and panic into our human experience. And we forget that Christ is alive. We may remember it in the sense that we could answer the question correctly on a written test, but experientially, we begin to live as if the crisis is the greatest power, has the, the greatest control over all things. And then is when we have to sit with Jesus and remember, He died and He rose again and He did this out of love for me. I have His favor. Our souls have such a short memory. We have to sit and be reminded again of the favor that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to talk directly to you for just a moment. I wonder if you approach God as a potential solution to your problems, or do you know Him as your merciful, gracious, compassionate, kind, heavenly Father? You know, we, have, we have these transactional ideas about God and us. I do good for Him, He does good for me. Or, or I, I earn favor by not doing bad things and doing a few more religious things. Or I've got some religious pedigree, and so therefore He should do me well. But that's not the God we're seeing here in Psalm 123, is it? He's our Heavenly Father. Look, the reason your soul is so tired is because of your own battle with sin. It's true for every single one of us. The sin we've committed, plus the sinful world that we live in, wreaks havoc on our souls. And we cannot rescue ourselves. But look, if you'll do what the singer of this song does, then you'll know the favor of God. And He showed His favor by sending His one and only Son to die on the cross in your place for your sin. Jesus is God in the flesh. He's fully man, fully God, and He did for you what no one else could do. He died in your place as your substitute. So although He lived a perfect, sinless life, 
He is the holy, holy, holy God with flesh on. When he died, he died as if he had committed all of your sin. He suffered the Father's wrath on your sin at the cross. He did that because he loves you. He wants to rescue you out of this pit, out of this brokenness. He's showing you his favor. And so he died in your place for your sin. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And his promise to you is that if you will turn to him, trust him, you'll be forgiven of your sin. You'll be rescued. You'll know his favor finally and in full. And so the song speaks to you specifically, an invitation to come to Jesus. And Today, when, when our worship service is over, I would love to have a conversation with you about what that means. You might come to me and say, hey, Pastor, I need to know more about who Jesus is and, and what it means to be his follower. Or you might come and say, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Uh, to me or someone you know here who walks with Jesus, your soul needs the rest that comes only from your Creator. So God's favor is relief for our embattled souls because it means his compassion poured out into our lives. It's our God enthroned in heaven, our God that we desire, who is tending to us. And that's good news. Now, there's a second reason in this song why God's favor is so important. The second reason is that God's favor sustains us. It sustains embattled souls. I, when I, what I mean by that is it gives us strength, it gives us endurance, it helps us persevere through the trials we're facing. If verses 1 and 2 describe what we are seeking in God's favor, well, well then verses 3 and 4 explain why we're seeking it. Look at what they say. Look at verse 3. Show us favor, Lord. Show us favor, for we've had more than enough contempt We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. So the reasons that God's children are exhausted are contempt and scorn from arrogant and prideful people. What's the reason for the scorn and contempt? Well, in this song, I, I take the scorn and contempt be, to be because of the singer's God, not the singers themselves. This is not about just interpersonal conflict. My neighbor doesn't like me. It's not that type of thing. It, it's, this is specifically an unbelieving world in active rebellion against God and those who walk with him. That's the cause of the scorn and contempt. Now, in my reading of Psalm 123, I don't think this is describing a highly unusual circumstance. I, I, I think there are places in Scripture where intense suffering, intense persecution is described. And for sure, in our world, there are places where we can find those things this very day. But I don't think that's what Psalm 123 is describing. I think this is describing the steady state of the believer in a world decaying under the weight of sin. This is tomorrow for you. And the day after that, this is just our regular everyday. I'm not saying that every day you leave your house and your neighbors are waiting to hurl religious insults at you and, and to mock you for your allegiance to Christ. But this sort of steady tension, contempt and scorn, it's the environment we live in in a world that's in active rebellion against God. 
In, in light of the situation described here in Psalm 123, isn't it interesting? The song doesn't ask for the removal of the contempt. It just asks for God's favor in the midst of it. That petition's repeated twice in verse 3. Show us favor, Lord, show us favor. It's as if the singer knows the only way out of this mess is to go through the mess. And if you're going to go through it, then you need God's favor to sustain you. God's grace, mercy, compassion, kindness will hold you up through all the scorn. It'll put iron in your legs to sustain you through all contempt. His favor will give you hope, though arrogant and prideful people despise you. And how exactly does it do this? We've been speaking sort of in theoreticals, but how precisely does God's favor sustain us? Well, if If we wrongly define God's favor just as God liking us or God blessing our plans, well, then we're not going to find any endurance or any strength. But if we understand God's favor as the demonstration of His compassion, well, then we'll look to the cross and we will find what we need there. Psalm 123 takes us to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Luke described one particular scene this way. In Luke 23, 11, he says this, Then Herod, with his soldiers, treated Jesus with contempt, mocked him, dressed him in bright clothing, and sent him back to Pilate. It's, there's a way in which Psalm 123 could have been sung by Jesus himself, while prideful arrogant Herod heaped contempt and scorn on him. Uh, To be clear, Psalm 123 is not a messianic psalm, but there are shadows of the cross here. And if God the Son finally experienced the favor of God the Father on Resurrection Sunday, don't you think God's grace, mercy, compassion, kindness will give you the strength you need to endure? And and you want want to know what's really going to mess with your mind? If you sit down in Psalm 123, you really sing this song experientially in your walk with the Lord. Here's what's going to mess you up. Those who treated Jesus with contempt and mocked him are those whom Jesus died for. While they insult him hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So when we sing about prideful and arrogant people, we're not saying God cast them off. Rather, I think the natural overflow of this would be God bring them in and do that through me. If you're going to sing Psalm 123, you better be ready to take up your cross and follow Jesus. And His favor will provide the endurance that you need. So this little song gives us reasons That God's favor is so important when we find ourselves spiritually exhausted. Just two reasons that I I hope are convincing to you. The first is that God's favor is relief for our embattled souls. And then second, God's favor sustains us through all we're going through. Could you bring anything to the table that God would say, "Eh, my favor is not going to be sufficient for that? Not a thing. You, You bring it all. 
Every heartache, every tear, every disappointment, every bit of anger, every frustration, you bring it all and you lay it before the Lord and you say, God, I'm not getting up until I have your favor. Psalm 123 implores us to seek God's favor, the outpouring of his love into our lives. Now, look, to be sure, you don't have to. You're not obligated. You have some other options. I think these options are undesirable, but let's just lay them out and consider them for a moment. One option different than this is you don't have to look to God. That's how it starts. I lift my eyes to you, but you can lift your eyes elsewhere. You can look to yourself. You can look for inspiration in nature. You can look to your horoscope, perhaps. You can look to whatever you... You've got other places you can set your eyes, and I promise you, you will get exactly what that broken stuff can give you. Another option is you might look to God, but, but you're not looking for favor the way he speaks a favor but you're just locked in on your solutions you you might rewrite the song from show us your favor to bless my desire give me what i've decided i need and i want in this moment there are times we pray like that from a place of sincerity and it's not wrong to come to god and say here's here's how i see it and here's how i think it ought to be But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's where we have to land in those prayers. And so while you have other options here, look, there's nothing that's going to give rest to your soul like the favor of God. So when you find yourself spiritually exhausted, you find relief by sitting with Jesus, your eyes trained on Him, and you don't get up until you are reassured that you have His favor. And so if this resonates with you, I want to give you a challenge, even for this week. I want you to introduce a new practice, might be new to you, a practice into your life when you are beat down, exhausted, at the end of yourself, I want you to schedule a mini spiritual retreat. I want you to open up your calendar. I want you to pick the day and the time. I say mini, it doesn't have to be days long. It it can be small, short. It can be an hour out of your week. It might be a couple of hours. But you have to schedule it. It, You won't just stumble into it by accident. You have to put it on the calendar. And then that is a sacred space on your calendar. Someone calls and says, hey, you want to go do? Can't do it. Hey, I need you to take a look at. Nope, can't do it. I'm I'm tied up. I'm, I'm occupied. I'll get with you later. But you know this time is time for you to sit with the Lord. You're going to take your Bible, you're going to take your journal, preferably distractions away, and you're going to sit with your Father enthroned in heaven for however long it is. And you'll hear His voice as you read, and you'll respond to that voice in prayer. And and, When I say retreat, I don't necessarily mean going away someplace. You could do that. It could just be your porch or your favorite chair or the the kitchen table. Just whatever that place is where you can sit and be with the Lord, I want you to do that. We've got a model to follow, in fact, a model of what this might look like. Again, from the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells us a story in chapter 10 
About this time, Jesus was traveling and preaching, and he entered into the house of two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha immediately began doing all the tasks that hospitality required, but Luke tells us that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Maybe scratch out the name Martha and put Cody in there in verse 40 or your name. But I was distracted by my many tasks. And she came up to Jesus and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken from her. You worry and are upset about many things, viable, realistic concerns. Nothing to just be treated lightly. You have all of these worries, but brothers and sisters, one thing is necessary. That you would sit with your Father, that you would set your eyes on His gracious hand and that you would not move until your soul is reminded again that you have His favor, His grace, His mercy, His compassion, His kindness. Sit with Him this week. Put your eyes and ears on the Lord until He shows you favor and there you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we are tired. Maybe even this morning, we just, we came in here limping, so to speak, fatigued from the week behind fatigued by the unknown to come, we confess to you how tired we are, tired from the way our sin just drags us through the mud, tired from the situations we face in our lives. And Lord, you know every ounce of fatigue in this room. So look at the treasure you've given us this morning in Psalm 123 that that we would come looking for your favor. And Lord, let that be the desire of our hearts that we would pray that you would be God to us. Father, when we look to the cross, we see that we have been given in full your favor, your grace, mercy, compassion, and kindness all at the cross, and we praise you for this. And so with the cross in mind, would would you lift our weary hearts. Would would you add some energy to our legs, some strength uh, to our guts so that we would once again walk out of here in the strength that you have. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who are just done under by what they've been facing, that they would sit with you until they find your favor. So Lord, I'm grateful that we don't have to beg you for this, but We call on your character and your kindness, and we know we have what we seek. And for our friends in here that don't know you as their Savior, Lord, this morning, help them to see you not just as a heavenly fixer, but but rather as their heavenly Father, 
the one who loves them, who gave everything for them, who calls them home. Lord, let this be a day of salvation when your favor comes to them in the way you've intended it to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand.